0: Today we're going to talk about the fact that it's the Holy Spirit who connects all this together. He is the line between the Father, the Son, the believer, uh, the things of God, if you will, the local church. He's the wire, the conduit, the circuit, the network, whatever you want to call Him, that ties it all together. When the Spirit of God moves within, we get connected to God, we get connected to the Son, uh, we get connected to other believers, to the, the spiritual realm of God. Now, how does that happen? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn back to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel and the 36th chapter. Ezekiel 36, we're in a series at this time on the Holy Spirit, kind of the quiet member of the Trinity or possibly even the neglected uh, one in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our God is one God, three persons, which is a mystery. It's really beyond my understanding, but I'm glad I have a God I cannot understand, one far greater than myself. But the Holy Spirit is a, uh, a doctrine that permeates the, the holy pages of the Word of God. And so it behooves us to study this person, and uh, we've been doing that in this Bible study. Well, there's something interesting I find here in these uh, couple of verses in Ezekiel 36. Here they are, verses 26 and 7. God says, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. I'm going to use this as a springboard today to talk about this subject of being connected with the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at different facets of the Holy Spirit. I want to show you that the Holy Spirit is the the one of the Trinity, if you will, that connects us to the Father, to the Son, to to the brethren, to spiritual things, and how important the Holy Spirit really is. Let's pray before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for illumination at this time. We pray that we could uh, compare Scripture with Scripture and, and build line upon line and precept upon precept. And, Father, that uh, all could follow the train of thought as from the Word of God that would lead us to a, an, an unmistakable conclusion that the Holy Spirit is the one who connects us at this time. We just pray now that you would use this time to help us to fall more in love with thee, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last time we were talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. By way of review, I said at the outset last time that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us a great commission. And if you think of reaching the world and evangelizing the world with the gospel message, it's kind of, um, it's a difficult task. I mean, to convince a people of a virgin birth, it's like, yeah, right. Or a sinless life, it's like, no. Or someone rising from the dead, it's like, uh-uh. And then ascending up to heaven bodily afterwards, it's like, really? And so we need help. We need divine help. We cannot get that message to this generation, nor could they to any generation, without the help of the Holy Spirit. We have this impossible task ahead of us. I said, secondly, God has gifted us for that task. And of course, the Great Commission was given to the local church. Now, there are others trying to fulfill it, but Scripturally speaking, it was given to the church that Christ started. And then that church was to start other churches, which is start other churches. And Christ promised to those churches, Lo, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. So here we are in the twenty. 21st century, and we're trying to get the same task done, but we need to be gifted from God. Not, not only empowered, but the people of this church need gifts from God, spiritual gifts. And our Bible tells us that Christ ascended up on high, and He gave gifts to men. And I thank God for that. It's, it's for the work of the ministry as laid out in Ephesians 4. So there's something that you do, and God's gifted you to do that. That's the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, we would call it. The, the Holy Spirit quietly working in us. Now, I said thirdly last time that the Holy Spirit, the very name means sanctified breeze. Holy means sanctified. Spirit means breeze or breath or, or, or light wind, if you will. So what we have is this sanctified breeze that nudges us and leads us as we try to serve the Lord. Our job is to yield, yield to that wind. Go with it. Are you going against the wind today? It's really a a profound thought. Are you digging in? Are you stiffening up? God help us to feel the gentle nudge of the sanctified breeze always at our back, pushing us in the right direction and us yielding to that nudge, if you will. I said last time, you know, the ministry of Fargo Baptist is not a handful of monumental decisions. It probably looks like that, but it's really been thousands of decisions. Thousands and thousands of decisions. And, and they've had to be made not by basis of a flash of lightning or a hurricane. or That's not the way the Holy Spirit operates. It's always that gentle breeze, if you will, that sanctified breeze. For every endeavor of life, we need the Holy Spirit. I mean, it, it really makes such a difference. It removes the laborious from the Lord's work and the drudgery from the Lord's work if we're not operating in the flesh, but we're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, today we're going to talk about the fact that it's the Holy Spirit who connects all this together. He is the line between the Father, the Son, the believer, uh, the things of God, if you will. The local church, he's the wire, the conduit, the circuit, the network, whatever you want to call him, that ties it all together. Now, our text is an interesting one. Verse 26, God says, A new heart also will I give unto you, and a new spirit will I put within you. I've underlined in my Bible those words, new spirit, and also those words, within you. What's this talking about? Well, we uh, we hear the prophet speaking the voice of God here, speaking of something out yet yonder in the future, and that is when the Holy Spirit would come to dwell within the believer at salvation. And and how that heart of stone would be taken out, and a soft heart, it's referred to as a heart of flesh here, would be placed within. That's what happened to you the day you got saved. What a What an operation, a spiritual operation that only God can perform. Then in verse 27... He adds, and I will put my spirit within you, he says it again, and cause you to walk in my statutes. That means obey the Bible, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. It's talking here about when the Spirit of God moves within, we get connected to God, we get connected to the Son, we get connected to other believers, to the, the spiritual realm of God. Now, how does that happen? Well, for me, it happened on March 5th, 1981. You might not know the date, but you'll never forget the time. I visited a dear lady in a nursing home today and and her face glowed as she was talking about when she got saved, which was years and years ago. And she said, Pastor, I'll never forget that experience. Now, you might not know the date, but you will never forget the experience. And Ezekiel describes it here. It's when you enthrone God on the throne of your heart. Now, let's just put it this way. There are three divine thrones. In fact, turn back to Psalm 11, if you would. And as you turn in, I have a question for you. Where is God the Father right now? Where is He? You say, oh, that's a trick question, Pastor. He's everywhere. Well, yes and no. <laughs> you say, no? No. Let me show you where He is right now. In Psalm 11, and in verse number 4, the Bible says, The Lord is in His holy temple. Oh. The Lord's throne is in heaven. Oh, okay, I connect the dots there. So He's on His throne. His throne is in the holy temple. The holy temple is heaven. So, okay, God's throne is in heaven. That's where God is right now. He is seated on His throne in heaven. And there are a number of verses in the Bible that talk about that. Uh, Yes, He is in heaven. He is now overseeing the universe, picture it, from His throne in heaven. All right. Next question, where's Jesus Christ right now? Well, let's turn to Hebrews in the New Testament. Well, He's in a particular locale as well, a location, and it also is a throne. Let's find out exactly where it is. Well, in Hebrews chapter 1, we find a few verses in Hebrews here. Notice, first of all, verse 3. It says, "...who being the brightness of His glory," now it's talking about Christ, "...and the express image of His person," in other words, a reflection of the Father, "...and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high." So let's carry it to the next phase here. Here is the Father... Uh, he's on his throne, his throne is in his temple, that temple is in heaven. By the way, the temple on earth that was originally built as a, a tent, if you will, by Moses and later as a tabernacle by Solomon was modeled after the one in heaven. So there's a temple in heaven, God is in that temple, and he's sitting on his throne. But we find here in Hebrews one three that Jesus Christ is on the right hand of the majesty on high. So he has a throne, and it's right next to the fathers in heaven. He's on his right hand. Look, if you would, in chapter 8 here of Hebrews. You have a lot of stuff given in Hebrews between chapters 1 and 8. And then you get down to chapter 8, and there's kind of like the prophet reviews. And so he's going to repeat what he just told us back in chapter 1. Hebrews 8.1, he says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. Let's sum it up, okay? We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. He's repeating that. So the Son has a throne. It's on the right hand of the Father. In fact, look in chapter 10 here of Hebrews. And in verse 12, it says, But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. By the way, southpaws or lefties like to think that God is left-handed. And you know why? Because Christ is sitting on his right hand, so he's got to use his left. Well, that's not true. But anyhow, we find out over and over again, Jesus Christ is sitting on the right hand of God here. He's on the right side of the throne of God. Okay? So we have a trinity. We know so far we've identified where the Father's throne is. We've identified where the Son uh, has his throne. But the third part of the trinity is the Holy Spirit. That's who we're talking about. Where is His throne? Now don't raise your hand, don't shout it out, but, but just think about it for a second. Where is His throne? I think most of you know. Let's look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm driving at something, how the Holy Spirit connects all of this together, okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are told where the throne of the Holy Spirit is. Verse 16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy? For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are? So the throne of the Holy Spirit actually is you. It's the heart of the believer. If you have been born again... It's like our text a moment ago. He lives within you. He resides within you. Now, Christ said during His earthly ministry in John uh, fourteen seventeen, 17, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he, he said, He dwelleth with you. And at that time, that's what He did. He dwelled with them. He said, and shall be in you. So out yonder, and it was right after the uh resurrection from the grave that Christ breathed on his his disciples those members of that first church and he said receive the the holy spirit we've already studied that so he says he's he's dwelling with you now that's kind of eh, it's kind of what took place in the old testament where the spirit of god would come upon a person he dwelt with them he said but he is going to be in you and now second timothy 1:14 speaks of the holy spirit which dwelleth in you So the Spirit of God dwells inside of you, and you are now the temple of God, and your heart is His throne. All right? So, where do we go from there? Well, the next thought is this. The Bible says that our God is a jealous God. Where am I heading with this? Our God is a jealous God. Twice in the book of Isaiah, uh, God says, My glory will I not give unto another. And He shouldn't. No one else can handle it. My glory will I not give unto another. So, God is disturbed when another steals his glory or uh, usurps the authority of his throne. For example, there is one, he's a religious ruler or leader in this world who is referred to as the Holy Father. Now, there's a problem with that. First of all, Christ said there's none holy but God, right? <laughs> there's none righteous, no, not one, including that fella. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so there's none holy but God. Secondly, Christ said, call no man your father upon the earth, referring to a religious title in a religious context. Not your dad, but a clergyman is not to be referred to as your father and definitely not a holy father. You are usurping God's glory when you When you take that title, you steal that title, you sit on that throne. By the way, uh, there are many millions throughout this world who refer to Allah as the creator and supreme being in the universe. That is taking God's glory. That is stealing God's throne. By the way, there's a lot of examples. Evolution robs God of His glory as the creator of everything to say it just happened, it just evolved. Uh, God's not okay with that. You're usurping that throne. Now, secondly, let me just say, there are those who infringe upon the throne of Jesus Christ. Can you think of one? How about uh, Mary? There are those who claim that Mary was also virgin born, and that Mary was sinless, and that Mary ascended up into heaven, and that Mary is the uh, co-redeemer. Really? Can you imagine any of that? That's what I grew up with, as a matter of fact. That is stealing the throne. Christ doesn't move over on His throne for Mary. And the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2.15 that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men. That's the man Christ Jesus. There are not two or three or four or one and a half. There's one. And it's Jesus Christ. And so you're, you're... shoving him over on his throne. There's another way of actually pulling him off his throne. Right here in in, uh, Hebrews, I I won't have you turn back there, but we looked at it here just a moment ago. There are those who claim that they re-sacrifice Christ every time they hold communion or the Lord's Supper service. And that over and over again, daily throughout this world, Christ is crucified over and over and over again. You'd, You'd have to leave his throne to do that, folks. Well, Hebrews 10 and in verse 10, says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I've underlined those words. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus Christ, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, catch this, sat down on the right hand of God. So he's on his throne. He's fulfilled his mission. Let me just say this. God ab- abhors an intrusion to his throne, be it the Father or the Son. And we should too. However, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So where's all this leading? What's the throne of the Holy Spirit? And what about that throne? Well, it's uh, us, it's our hearts. So the natural course here is, is to think all right, do we allow anything to infringe upon the throne of the Spirit of God, to encroach that throne, to trespass in that throne. Because whenever we have an idol in our life or something we put above God, we have done exactly that. And uh, it ought to cause us concern as well as those other things. Now, we're talking about our connection through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our connection to God, uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the things of God and to the people of God. Now, let's look at that. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, if you would. Back when I was in in college, in secular college, there were these born-again Christians. I was not one of them at the time. uh, Far from it. But I'll I'll never forget what I thought of them before I got saved. I thought they were weird. I thought they were uh, um, awkward and made me uncomfortable and I really didn't have anything in common with them. Not at that time anyway. Well, I got saved um, about a year or two after I I, I got out of college. And I uh, immediately bonded with the people of God. There was like something that tied us together and it connected us. And it wasn't until I studied this out later on that I really understood it. But in 2 Corinthians 13, we identify it here in verse 14. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God... And the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. There we have the Trinity mentioned in one verse. By the way, the cults don't believe in the Trinity, and this is a a verse that really flies in the face of those cults. But notice what's mentioned here. First of all, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the Son of God. And the love of God. There's the Father. And the communion of the Holy Ghost. Notice how the Holy Ghost is brought into the picture here. His communion. His tying together, His connection. That, that word communion there, it, it means in the Greek, having in common. And, it's, and he's writing here to other Christian believers, and he's saying the Holy Spirit brings us together because we have some things in common. In fact, turn to Matthew chapter 18 if you would. There's an interesting word found in a verse back here in the Gospel of Matthew. And I, I did not know this word until I looked it up just today. In Matthew chapter 18, and in verse number 19, it's the word agree, by the way. You'll see it in this verse. Again, Christ is talking, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. It's the Greek word symphoneo. Now, I wonder what word we get from symphoneo, right? Hmm. Kinda of sounds to me like symphony, does it not? And what is a symphony? Well, it's, well, you know what it is. It's like this harmonious sound of all these instruments playing together and not anything they want, but something that blends and it's beautiful. And, and, and Christ uses that word agree and us agreeing, symphonio, being in tune. Sometimes before the uh, Sunday morning sir- service, I'll walk back there and, uh, John, I don't know if he's here tonight, but uh, he's he's tuning up his violin and somebody else blowing their horn and somebody else playing the flute and kind of sounds like a mess, but but they're tuning in. They're tuning in. So that when they play together, it will be a symphonaio. It will be harmonious. They'll have something in common. We are, as God's people, to be in agreement. Symphonaio. The Holy Spirit connects us. In fact, I'll never forget probably late summer of 1999 when we had a meeting, a men's meeting in the old building on a Sunday evening and we decided to build all this at the time. And what a symphony there was in that meeting. What an agreement there was in that meeting. You know, just today, and this was unbelievable, but I got an email from somebody and they described an idea that was identical with something my wife and I just been talking about this last weekend. I mean, detail after detail after detail. Symphonaeo. Look in Acts chapter 2 if you would. Our connection is the Holy Spirit. Alright? In fact, I've often mentioned in, in premarital counseling with uh, those about to be married, that if they will just focus on walking with God and getting closer to God, and I've, I've used this illustration, I think, even in wedding message is, how if the wife is, is let's just say this microphone is, is God, and if the wife is trying to draw closer to God, and the husband is trying to draw closer to God, you can see what's going to happen. They're going to come together. And that's really how it works. The common denominator is the Spirit of God. And so we just need to uh, focus on the mind of God, the uh, the mind of Christ, if you will, the walking in the Spirit, as it's called, it all means the same thing in the Bible. We don't have to worry so much about connecting with each other. If we just try and connect with God, we will connect with each other. See what I mean? Look in Acts chapter 2 here, and on the day of Pentecost, uh, we find uh, thousands get saved, and the Bible says afterwards, in verse 44, and all that believed were together, and had all things common. Notice that. Why? Same Holy Spirit. Verse 46, it says, And they continuing daily with one accord. Why? Same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit connected them. It was, it was the communion of the Holy Spirit. Look in chapter 4 here of Acts, if you would. In Acts 4 and in verse uh, 32, it says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. That is the goal, folks. In fact, First John one seven says, "If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We will have one heart and one soul. How? Just walk in the light. Just walk in the Spirit, and we will get along because the Holy Spirit is our common connection. It's it's what." Bands us and bonds us together. Once a year to uh, keep my, my electrical license, current master's license, I have to go sit through a day of continued ed. It's eight hours, and it, it comes up every year about January. And it's kind of weird, but I get in with other electricians and they're, you know, we have lunch together and stuff like that. And I'm not saying it's a brotherhood or whatever, but it's kind of like the the electrical brethren, if you will. We have something in common. We talk Romex connectors and, you know, NM and ground wires and all this kind of stuff. Shop talk. But there's kind of a a bond there. Well, as Christian people, the one who connects us together is the Holy Spirit of God. Picture the Holy Spirit as a wire, if you will, between God, the Son, the brethren, the church, the Bible, right on down the line. The things of God. He is our circuit, if you will. He keeps us on the same page with the same mind. Have you ever known another believer and it's kind of like they're so in sync with you that it's like, whoa, we're on the same page. This is fun. This is exciting. And it is. Have you ever known another believer who was out of sync, out of sorts? Mary, Mary, quite contrary. You know what I mean by that? Just couldn't cooperate. Just, you know, rubbing the fur the wrong way and cutting against the grain and just couldn't get on board. And you go, what's their deal? Hmm. Well, they're not walking in the Spirit. Look in Romans chapter 8. They're not either connected <laughs> at all. You hate to think that, or there's static in the line. Know what I mean by that? Have you ever had static in the line, or maybe uh, known somebody who did? Well, that's the problem. Uh, others are walking in the Spirit, and they're, 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 they're yielding to that nudge, that gentle breeze, that sanctified breeze at their back. But this guy's he's not. He's going against the wind, and that's why there's issues. And that's why there's always issues in a New Testament church like this. Look in Romans 8 here, if you would, and in verse number 5, It says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. See how we're connected through the Holy Spirit? If we will walk in the Spirit, what can be done for God? In fact, in chapter 8 here, notice verse 27. It says, and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of of the Spirit. Notice those words, mind of the Spirit. The Spirit of God has a mindset, if you will, and He wants us to be on the same page as Him. Look, if you would, in Philippians chapter 1, especially in a local church. And we are a local church. And we talk a lot around here about getting along and pulling on the same of the rope and being in unison, being unified. And you say, why is that important? because nobody's going to get saved if we're not, folks. The devil would love to disrupt the peace of this church. The devil has a bullseye on this church, I'll guarantee you that. And it's so important that we all realize, okay, if the Spirit is leading this way, let's get on board. Notice here in Philippians chapter 1, in verse 27, it says, "...only let your conversation," and that word means uh, behavior, "...be as it becometh the gospel of Christ." That Paul says, whether I come and see you, or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. If you and I would just get this principle down, it would, it would eliminate the, the fussing, and the feuding, and the fighting. And I'm not saying that's going on, folks. This is preventative, all right? But it, it could so easily go on. If you and I would just realize, okay, God has a will, the Holy Spirit has a direction, and the goal for us is to stay in tune with the Spirit of God. And maybe maybe even occasionally, if not daily, just say, am I in tune with you? Am I going in the right direction? Am I in sync right now with the Spirit of God? Because I've seen some Christians over the years, and there might be sitting amongst us right now, who can get pretty ornery and out of sorts, and it's really because they're not walking in the Spirit. They're not going in that right direction. Troubles in churches could be prevented if we just get this down. Now, Fargo Baptist church has never had a split. All right, And I don't say that proudly. I don't say uh, we're bulletproof. It could never happen here. Obviously, it could happen in any church. We have never, however, had a split. Now, we've had some people move on that needed to move on who've gotten in the flesh and disrupted the harmony. And when that happens and they're quenching the Spirit, it's actually a healthy thing. Unfortunately, it happens. But the goal for us is to stay continually yielded to the Spirit of God. And the natural result of that will be, we will be in harmony. By the way, this works in your marriage as well. Sir, ma'am, this works in your home. If uh, the husband's not right with God, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be an issue. If it's the wife there's going to be an issue. If they are both walking with God, they're going to be on the exact same page. I'm thinking of a preacher I know of, and he's in a distant state. But um, a godly man and and, uh, walks with the Lord and so on and so forth. He walked in the house um, one evening, and his wife was listening to the radio. And he said, what in the world are you listening to? I mean, it, it sounded so worldly and contemporary. She said, oh, it's Christian radio. And, and sadly, it was. <laughs> I mean, it, it, sometimes you can't tell the difference. And he goes, when did you start listening to that? She goes, well, what? I, you know, and what had happened is that station had, had turned from Christ-honoring music to the worldly stuff, and it, it, had, it had happened so slowly, she didn't even detect it, and it caused static in the line. And he said, honey, you need to just kind of go on a fast for a month and not listen to any music, and then... Try listening to that station again at the end of the month. They did exactly that, and she could not believe she was actually that desensitized to have been listening to that junk. Well, that's what happens. Static can get in the line. You're not walking in the Spirit any longer here, and even spouses can get off the same page. It can creep up on us, and we don't even realize it. Remember the, the, the verse we looked at last time about Samson? How he had gotten so carnal and didn't even recognize it that when God just totally lifted his hand off him, he goes, I'll just shake myself as at other times. And he wished not. The Spirit of God had left him. It can happen to us. Static in the connection. And something else now is on the throne. Look in First John, if you would, chapter 1. Can you and I tell when we are out of sync with God? And, and if we are even right now. You know, I, uh, I've seen people, you know, kind of go, is there something wrong with me? And they'll, they'll smell under their underarms and well, something wrong with me? And so on and so forth. Spiritually speaking, it, it, it could be time for a checkup, you know? Do we uh, stink to God, really? Sometimes we need to spiritually do that because we've lost the connection. The Holy Spirit is our connector. In First John 1, notice in verse number 3, John says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 7, But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. There it is. Now John is writing to people, no doubt, who are miles apart. There was distance, there was space, uh, there was different continents perhaps that divided these guys. But across the miles, he said, we have fellowship one with another. How could that be spirit of God the Spirit of God look back in Philippians again if you would Philippians chapter 1 is it possible for me to have fellowship with a preacher over in Africa right now who I continually email and he emails me I get emails from him daily and, and you say well how could we be in sync with each other because the same Holy Spirit who's here in Fargo, North Dakota, is over there in South Africa right now. Or the same Holy Spirit that's here with me is over with Brother Lang in Southeast Asia right now. It really does work that way. You know, if we can email folks from across the globe and stay connected that way, don't you think we can stay connected as brethren because of the same Holy Spirit? In Philippians 1 and verse number 3, Paul says this to the folks at Philippi, miles away, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There was still a fellowship there. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort, Of love. If any fellowship, notice these words, of the Spirit. And there certainly is. Across the miles, Paul could write to Philippi and say, There's this fellowship we have with the Spirit because the Spirit connects us. In fact, the Bible speaks of coming boldly before the throne. If two believers come boldly before the throne in sync with the Spirit of God, they're going to be in sync with others, really i 've uh, heard great missionary stories of of um, Christians praying across the the globe at the, at, at, at the same time and finding out later that they were of the same heart. I, I told that illustration some time back i don 't remember if it was David Livingston or who it was who was um, i guess snuck up on by like uh, i think it was this uh, hostile band of of uh, natives there, but at the same time back in his home church in some place in the u k there were 42 men in a local church praying for him. And later on, the chief of that tribe, when, when Livingston had won him to Christ, told him the story of how they were going to kill him that night, but they saw 42 uh, armed warriors around the place. And Livingston didn't find out till he went home that at that very same moment, they were so burdened for him that 42 men were praying for him. You say, that's an amazing story. It is, but it's the same Holy Spirit. Two different locations, it doesn't matter. Even though separated by the miles in the space, God can still work like that. So let's sum it up here, alright? We have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. Christ said, where two or three are gathered in my name, they're My." in the midst of them. And, and yet, Christ is at the right hand of the throne of God. How could He be in the midst of us right now? Well... Through the Holy Spirit. That's how. But there's an overflow from that. Look back in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you would. It goes from not only Christ and us, but us to other believers. To the brethren, as we say. Here in 1 Corinthians 1, and in verse number 9, the Bible says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, as we walk in the light, as Christ is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. It it bands us all together. The psalmist said, I am a companion of them that fear thee. Now, one more verse, and that's in Romans just a few pages back. Chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. The Spirit of God is the connector between all of this. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 12 the Bible says that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. What's this mutual faith? Well, it's that bond we have with each other, given to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I've known some professing believers who have more in common with the world than they do the people of God. That's always a concern to me. Uh, I've, I've always read with amazement about Balaam back there in Numbers, who was hobnobbing with the heathen, and that was, that was where he was comfortable. I, I've always wondered about that. Jesus said, you're, you're not of the world, even as I am not of this world. In fact, it was Peter who said on the day of Pentecost, save yourselves from this untoward generation. You know what untoward means? Warped. Save yourself from this warped generation, if it was warped then, how much warped is it now? Is your natural fellowship with this warped world? I mean, just be honest. Do you feel at home there? It might be a good reason to examine yourself whether you be in the faith or not. There might be something missing because the Bible says have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And the Bible says we're, we're in the world but should not be of the world. Where's our fellowship? Are you a companion of those who love God? Good question. Now, our text in Ezekiel talked about God performing this operation on us at salvation where He removes that hard heart and He puts in that soft heart. And with that heart comes this new tenant, this one who now resides within us. And our heart becomes His throne. I'll never forget it. For the first time, I was plugged in. It was unbelievable. Finally, united with the Father, the Son, and the Brethren through the connector of us all, the Holy Spirit of God. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church. 3303, 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.